But I want to talk today about something uh, that, that I love. I love that we're a friendly church, and I love even more when we're a friendship church because it's one thing to be friendly, but it's another thing to have great friendships. I want to talk. We've been talking about this series called Anti-Hero. We've been talking about Saul, and I wanted to kind of pause within it to talk about Saul's son, Jonathan, my best friend, growing up was named Jonathan. He was an awesome guy. And so I've, I've always been kind of attracted to the story of Jonathan because of the example of friendship. I don't know about you, but I find friendship to be incredibly inspiring. How many of you have, have seen this series, uh, Band of Brothers? I love that series. All of these are like, yeah, right? I love that series because obviously, like, yeah, it's awesome. But, uh, but I, what I love about it is the relationships and how good the director does showing these friendships that were forged in adversity. And you would think out of that situation would only come like anxiety and stress, which obviously there's all kinds of things that came from it. But within that, there's these really deep relationships that are formed. And I love to see the end of it when all the guys are talking and they've, they've been around and they're sharing about that experience. Right? I love movies that show friendships, especially when they're like based on a real story and real friendships, right? Like Simone and Pumbaa is a good friendship, but it's not as meaningful as the friendships that are real. And so they're inspiring. And there's a lot of great friendships in history, but I think one of the greatest historical friendships is Jonathan and David. Because Jonathan and David, they're really close. They have a very powerful friendship, and it is birthed in a time of extreme adversity and uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of struggle in their life. And when we read about Jonathan, when we read uh, about his attitude towards David, we see a friend that we all want. If you read about Jonathan, you're like, that is the kind of friend that I want. And I want to encourage us today that I think that is admirable to want a Jonathan, to want that kind of friend, the kind of friend we'd all want. But I want to encourage us today that as we read about Jonathan, that we should think that is the kind of friend I want to be. Then not just, that's, oh, I wish I had a Jonathan. I wish I could be, but that's the kind of person that I'm going to be, I'm going to commit to being. I'm going to commit to being a Jonathan. And that as we read today in the Word of God, that we would be inspired not only to want good friends, but to want to be a great friend. If you brought your Bible, open up with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to give you a little context of where we're at. Since we're not teaching about David right now, we will teach about David in the new year, but we're kind of walking through linearly. I know we skipped Judges, but we're walking through linearly uh, a lot of the Old Testament here. And in the context of what's happened, David has just killed Goliath. I just read uh, this story to my son, and he was like blown away when he says, you know, David hits him with the stone, and then goes up and cuts his head off with his own sword, which is pretty cool. Kills somebody with their own weapon. It's pretty hardcore. That's some John Wick stuff for sure, right? So after this moment, David comes back, and he's speaking with the army, and he's speaking with Saul, 
and Jonathan sees David and he's he's been watching David and watching what David does and he's very impressed and so there's a moment we're going to read in first Samuel chapter 18 that explains this moment when Jonathan decides listen I'm going to be a great friend to David and this moment though it's short this moment can be extrapolated across their entire friendship. What is decided here will be lived out in their whole friendship, right? Because it's not just enough to say, hey, we're friends, we should be friends. How many of you know friendship takes actions and work, right? You can't just say, we're gonna be great friends like it's summer camp, right? As a grown adult, friendship takes work. And often amidst that work is profound adversity that tests whether or not you were serious about the things you said, right? It tests whether or not you were serious. I remember as a kid, I would go to a different sports camps. Anyone go to sports camps or, I don't know, music camps? I don't know what kind of life you lived. But I went to sports camps, and at sports camp, you'd always meet somebody, and you'd be buddies. And then afterwards, you'd be like, we're going to hang out. Like, we're going to tell everybody we're brothers, right? We're going to hang out. Well, dude, I'll, yeah, I'll call you. We're going to hang out. I know you go to a different school. I know you live 45 miles away. I know I don't even actually technically understand what your last name is. You're just Gary from Team 4 that we called the Blue Jackets. I don't know, right? But, like, you're convinced. But then what happens? You go, and then you never see that person again. Why? Because, yeah, you were close. You were near. But... You hadn't actually like had to do anything for that friendship yet. It was just purely he who spends the most time wins. As an adult, like you understand, if we don't actively work for this, it is not happening, right? We're not in elementary school. We're not in soccer camp. We're not at summer camp. Like if we don't actively do some things, if we don't prove it in our actions, no friendship is going to start. So this is going to launch a friendship, but it's going to prove something. So here we go. First Samuel 18. You with me? Say amen. Amen. Let's read the word of God. It says, As soon as he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, it says, The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, David, as his own soul. Powerful, right? Look at that again. As soon as David has finished speaking to Saul, after this moment of triumph, it says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved David as his own soul. It says, and Saul took David. He said, it took him that day. It would not let him return to his father's house. Meaning like, he's like, you're with me now. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. And his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Now, sometimes when we read the Word of God, we see these things we're like, oh, that's neat. That's very like antiquity, given the Roman this thing, and that's fun. Like, that was a good symbol. But there is actually a ton of imagery that's packed in here that, in my opinion, does a great job explaining why. Jonathan and David had such a great friendship. Because when you read it, they never really tell you why. But this explains why they had such a great friendship. So here's, here's a couple, two key elements of friendship. You still with me? Great, great friendship. Not just friendship. You can make friends. I'm talking great friendship. High quality friendship. Godly friendship, right? Great friendship begins with godly love. Great 
friendship begins with godly love. Let me explain. It says in verse 1, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. He loved him, Scripture says, as he loved himself. Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Now, one of the most disparaging things, the discouraging things to me in modern biblical interpretation is this false interpretation that there was some kind of, and, and I'm, I'm saying this cautiously, but some kind of homosexual uh, relationship occurring between Jonathan and David. And I understand some of you, that would be totally news that that's even an interpretation, and praise God for the innocence of that. Uh, but there is this weird false interpretation because our culture so misunderstands male intimacy. Right? Our culture does not understand men being friends and having intimacy. So any kind of affection, love, any kind of physical care is somehow homoerotic in some way. And it's incredibly discouraging, to be honest, because a pinnacle of Jonathan and David's relationship is that it is profoundly intimate, and then being profoundly intimate in a healthy way, not in a sexual way, shows men that intimacy is important. That the mantra of I'm just going to carry it and bury it is not healthy. But that intimacy and knowing one another and truly knowing and being honest and authentic around one another is what men and women, I just, women are better at it, is that men should do with one another. My best friendships have that at the bedrock of their friendship. And if someone said, well, that's very homoerotic or that's gay or that's all of these insults, it, it, would, be, it would be ludicrous because they don't understand intimacy. And in fact, we know from the Hebrew word, if someone ever says, oh, Jonathan and David, just let them know the Hebrew word of, of love that is described here is the word achab, which is not the word yada, which is used for any the other kind of relationship sexually. The word yada is used to describe the sexual relationships between man and man. But the word ahab is meant to describe love. So for example, when Abraham loved Isaac, when he looked upon him with love, that's ahab. That's what Jonathan is doing here. So I know that's a sidebar before we're even that deep into this message. But hear me, intimacy is important for friendship. Men, intimacy is important for friendship. Not saying you gotta like hug and kiss. Might be weird. But whatever your culture shows intimacy in a healthy way, I think is appropriate. In this culture, they did hug and they did kiss. That was normal. Right? Jesus got kissed, right? That was kind of a bad situation there at the end for him. So don't use that as an example. Because he was being betrayed by Judas. But culturally it happens. That's all I'm saying. But this love that's being shown, we're all hot back here. This love that's being shown is godly love. It's really a biblical standard of love. It's Christ-like. It is a Christ standard of love. How do we know that? Well, because in Mark 12, 29, Jesus was answered, uh, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the most important is, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he said, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
See, the Old Testament standard and the New Testament standard of godly love was to love God with everything and to love others as we love ourselves. That was the standard of love. That is the Christ-like standard, meaning we don't consider ourselves greater than others, but we are willing to love them as ourselves. To be a great friend, it has to begin with loving people as Christ loves people. To love them in a sense of sameness as we love ourselves. Not greater than, not less than, but to love them as we love ourselves. I heard a quote that says, friendship produces an entire sameness. It's one soul in two bodies. A friend is another self. See, when we make the decision, I will love this person like I love, my, like I love myself, then we will lay the foundation of friendship because we prepare a place of unselfishness in our hearts and that our actions will naturally overflow. See, if we believe that we're better than everyone, if we don't consider others, if we don't care for others, that does not exactly cultivate a healthy landing place for the seeds of friendship. Are you with me? If we're always thinking about us, if we're always about our, that's not building a place. If we think that people are dumb, if we think that people are ridiculous, if we think that people are inconvenient, that does not prepare a healthy garden to grow the seeds of friendship in our life. But if we are selfless, if we love like Christ, that does prepare a place. And the reality is the fruit of your actions will show in your friendship. If you are selfish, your actions will show that. If you love like Christ, your actions will show that. So the first step of great friendship, as was with Jonathan, as with us, is with us, is that it begins with godly love. But follow me on this. Great friendship begins with godly love, but great friendship is built on covenant. It says, Jonathan made a covenant because he loved him. Let me, let me explain that. Because if you're married in the church, you're like, I kind of thought that word was reserved for us. Like, what does that mean now? But covenant is a, is a big word, and it's important because covenant applies to, to friendship too. It's not just a fancy promise. When you would make a covenant in the Old Testament, especially in the ancient Near East, it was a commitment to live the character of God towards one another. A covenant, literally follow me here, was the most solemn, binding, intimate compact in the ancient world. And so if you look at 1 Samuel 18, 4, Jonathan makes a covenant with David for his friendship. He says, this is what our friendship is going to be about. How many of you have read the Old Testament when God gives his people a covenant? And he says, this is, these are the defining qualities of our relationship. When Jonathan makes a covenant with David, he's saying, this is the defining qualities of our relationship. And so in verse 4, jump with me in your Bible there. It says, to show this covenant, right? Verse 3 says, he made a covenant because he loved him. And then verse 4 says, and so he stripped himself of the robe that was on it, and he gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. We read that, we're like, oh, that's nice. But something profound is happening here. When, when Jonathan takes and says, in fact, put up, put up just verse 4 for me. It says that Jonathan praises the water of my enemies drowning. That sounds rad. Was that the first song? 
that is aggressive. <laughs> all right. All right. I was outside praying for somebody. Okay. Wow. That's why you guys were in a mood when I came in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That's from the Bible, though, so don't, you know, whatever. It says, he removed the robe. Somebody say robe. And then it says he removed his armor, and it says he removed his sword and bow. Those are his weapons. Somebody say weapons. And then his belt. Somebody say belt. Okay. I, I brought in some examples of this. Now, I don't have a robe because why? <laughs> I'm not a robe person. I live in Arizona. Uh, but I do have this jacket that I wear when I ride my motorcycle, which felt, felt infinitely cooler than a robe. So for the sake of our argument, actually, can somebody help me here? Austin, will you come help me? Yeah. You can go that way. It's cool. I mean, I, I thought you were going to jump. That would have been cool, too. <laughs> you guys are ready for that. All right, hold this for a second. So this is the robe. I'm going to put this on. It's a nice denim jacket. It was made by prisoners in Oregon, which, you know, factoid of the day. Uh, so he's got this robe, and then it says that he gives him a sword. Now, I don't have, like, a like a proper sword, but I got this sword when I had my ordination. They gave me this sword, and we did determine today at pre-setup meeting that you could actively injure somebody on this, mostly just myself, so hold this. like they would have, but I did buy this belt in Mexico, and it's got a scorpion on it. So for the sake of our example, this is the look. Here, hold this for a second. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, you like that? Love it. Around the yeah. Yeah, holding on, barely. Third kid is taking a waist size, every child. Young people, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you will. I was young and thin once. Um, so J David has this good-looking gear on. If you guys can tell how good I look. If this doesn't go on Instagram, I'm going to be disappointed. And then since you're here and you look young and spry, like David would have been in fit, uh, what Jonathan does is he takes the qualities of himself and he puts them on to David. So he takes the robe... And the robe would have represented royalty and identity, right? It wouldn't have been this cool denim. It would have been profound. It probably was purple. It was probably something that indicated royal quality and, and embroidered and embellished in a way that showed that it was royalty. And so he takes it and he puts it on to David. So will you be David? Okay. Now it looks like a rope. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And then he gives him the sword. Now the sword was a symbol of a lot of things. Do you remember there weren't a lot of swords in the land, right? So it's not only is it special in the sense that it's symbolic. Was it it's symbolic of it? it was to give a sword and a bow was symbolic of effort and energy, not only was it power, and, and I know we love to think about those things in terms of power, but for them it was about effort and purpose. So he gives them his sword, one of only a few, so hold on to it. And then he gives them a really dope scorpion belt from Mexico. And the belt, the belt 
is probably one of the most profound because it was a symbol of position. And so David comes, or Jonathan comes and he puts his belt around, and it's a physical act, and you know, roll with me here, bud. Sorry. <laughs> you look good. Now we're going to put the sword in. Hold on. There we go. No, it'll stay. It'll be fine. You can take all of this. There you go. Look at that. Doesn't he look good? <laughs> One more second, and then you can go. So Jonathan, in giving these things to David, right, he is now removed of them, and he places them upon. And so not only is there... An element transfer, there's an image transfer of saying something very profound that's happening. And each element represents a, a part of an identity that is taken from Jonathan in the covenant of their friendship and placed on their friend. It says something just as, even though it would be so weird, if people saw you walking around in my jacket, that would be unique. It would say something about our relationship, right? Now, culturally, that means nothing for us, right? Maybe like boyfriend, girlfriend, letterman jacket. That's about it. But culturally for them at the time to carry these elements, it said something, it spoke something over him. Let's, let's thank Austin real quick. It's all yours, bud. <laughs> Have fun. All, every element said something. <laughs> every element said something. So the robe, what does the robe say? The robe, the royal robe that was taken off, it says this, great friends are loyal. The robe says great friends are loyal. See, the robe identified Jonathan as a prince. People knew when they saw the robe, right, that that came with royalty and royal privileges. So when he took off his robe, he literally robed, clothed David in that royalty. That Jonathan is making a, a covenant statement here with David that you are no longer a shepherd. You are now part of royalty with me. Can I just say, kings did not do this, right? Uh, 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 people in power who do not serve God truly with their heart don't do this kind of sacrificial thing, right? Willing to give away royal authority to shepherds. No one did that. If you were a king, you wanted to keep as much authority as possible. That's why kings killed even their own sons, because they wanted to keep as much possible. But here, Jonathan is willing to give it away and willing to have people associate them together. And so by placing the robe upon him, yeah, you can take that stuff off. It's going to be way too warm. By placing the robe upon him, it's a statement of loyalty. It says, we are in this together. I'm with you. Here is a sign. When people see you, they're going to think of me. We are in this together. You are my friend. When they see my robe, they're going to know that I'm for you. See, great friends are loyal. And the loyalty of the robe would definitely be put to the test in their friendship. 
There's moments consistently in 1 Samuel where Saul is trying to kill David. And one of the very first ones in 1 Samuel 20, David comes to Jonathan in absolute fear and says, I'm pretty sure your father's going to kill me. And Jonathan's response to David, this shepherd boy that he has known for a brief period is, whatever you say, I will do for you. Now that's a friend, right? Imagine calling your friend up and be like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm in, I, I need help. And he says, whatever you say, I will do for you. Not if, hey, if it works with what my dad wants to do. Not if I have time. Not if it's not inconvenient. He says, whatever you say, I will do for you. Later in 1 Samuel 20, they find out that Saul is trying to kill David. And so Jonathan comes to David and begins to make a covenant with him and says, listen, I will protect you. He says in verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 20, he says, should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. Basically like, if I don't send you away, may the harm that's meant for you befall me. He says, may the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. He says, if I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I might not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies whom his father was. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. That's loyalty, because at the time when kings would take over, they would kill everyone of the other royal family. You didn't want anyone hanging around just in case. So you would go through and you would kill everybody. And Jonathan says, listen, no matter what happens to me, I trust you to be loyal to me as a friend and take care of my children. Isn't that a good friend? Isn't that a great friend where you could say, listen, no matter what happens, I trust you with my kids. That's a loyal friend. I trust you with my children. If it's like, I don't feel like I can trust you with my kids, that might not be a very loyal friend. A great friend is loyal. Says, let me give you the robe. You know, when Jesus invites you into his covenant and his covenant love, he gives you a robe. Isaiah 61 10 says, I will, regret, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When Jesus invites you into his kingdom, he gives you a robe of righteousness. He says, I'm all in for you. Look, I'm committed to you. Here's the robe of righteousness in exchange for your sin and your shame. But what I love is that our robe of righteousness isn't a cool uh, denim jacket from Oregon. It is a garment of principles and truth. It's a garment that Colossians 3.12 says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
See, here's what's amazing, church, is that we receive a garment of righteousness and we give a garment of Christ-likeness in our great friendships. You want to be a great friend? Give a garment of righteousness. Be loyal to them. Say, whatever you need, I will be there, big or small. We love to count on the big things, but what about the small things? If you're not loyal and faithful as a friend in the small things, you will never be trusted in the big things. You'd say, I would do anything for my friends. Yes, but would you do something for your friends? You can count on me. You can rely on me. I'll be loyal to our friendship. You can trust that I love you. And like scripture said, if something arises between us, you can trust I will forgive you and move on because I'm committed to you. Do you think David ever did things Jonathan wasn't super pleased about? Like, I don't know, killing a lot of the people that were around Jonathan when they were fighting against each other in military battles? See, great friends aren't just committed in easy times. They're loyal to each other in the ups and downs. Gave him the rope. What else did he give him? He gave him weapons. Why did he give him weapons? What was he saying when he gave him weapons? Here it is. Ready? Great friends sacrifice. Great friends sacrifice. Jonathan gave a sword. He gave a bow, each with meaning. The sword meant strength. The sword was a promise to protect and provide whatever it costs. The bow symbolized in the time power and purpose, literally like his role, his purpose as a person. And he was promising, he's saying, listen, I will do anything, David, to help you fulfill your purpose. He's saying, everything I have, I give to you. Man, that's, a, that's the foundation of a strong friendship. Hey man, whatever you need to make happen what God has purposed for you in your life, count me in to give that to you. Wow. Some of us would try some bold things for God if we knew we had somebody who would say that to us. Whatever you need to make that happen, like I'm there. And you might not be able to just find that person out of the blue, but you can be that person. I live in, in 1 Samuel 20. Saul says, listen, Jonathan, if this dude stays alive, you're gonna lose everything. You're gonna lose the kingdom. You're gonna lose your position of power. In verse 31, he says that. He says, Saul says, For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you, Jonathan, nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send him, bring him to me, for he shall surely die. But look what Jonathan says. Jonathan answered his Saul, or answered Saul's father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? says, but Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan leaves that moment and he goes and he protects David. Did you follow that? Saul says, listen, if you protect your friend, if you protect, if you're loyal to your friend, it will cost you everything. And he says, listen, you weren't there when I gave him the sword and the bow. I already promised him everything. I already promised him everything. He was a great friend. He was willing to give up his own kingdom for his friend. So many people are like, I want a Jonathan. Are you willing to give up your kingdom? I want to be a great friend. I want a great friend. Are you willing to give up your kingdom? That's what Jonathan gave up for David, right? That's why it is such a profound story, but it took profound sacrifice, did you know that? To, to have a profound friendship takes profound sacrifice. You know that's what Jesus did for you. 
See, God has given us his sword. Ephesians 6, 17 says, we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What's the word of God? It's the declaration and the inspired scripture of God's work. The gospel. What's the gospel? Christ's sacrifice for us. Right? John 15, 13 says, greater love has none than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And what did Jesus do for you and I? He laid down his life for us. And he says, I no longer call you master, or, or sorry, I no longer call you servant, and you call me master. Now I call you my friends. Great friendship takes great sacrifice. If we want great friendship, we must purposely and intentionally inconvenience ourselves for our friends. We have to make a choice to protect and provide for them. We have to sacrifice time and money and resources and energy. You can be friendly without sacrifice, but you cannot be a friend without sacrifice. Somebody say amen. You have to sacrifice your opinion in order to just sit and listen and be there for somebody. You have to sacrifice your comfort to tell your friend what they really need to hear. Sacrifice. We have to sacrifice our own desires joyfully to see the betterment of our friends, to love like Jesus. See, great friendships are the most inspiring things in the world, but they take sacrifice. Let me ask you, what are you willing to sacrifice for great friendship? Let me ask you another question. What will you not sacrifice? The third thing was the belt. Now, it wasn't a cool scorpion belt. It was a little different. Dowdy got it in Mexico, unless he's been to Puerto Penasco recently, because I don't know how long they've been selling them. But the belt resembled something important, and here it is. This is my this is my third thing on friendship. Ready? Great friends encourage and empower. Great friends encourage and empower. I know those words have been kind of taken and just used all over. So I'm going to explain that a little bit. See, the belt was an important part of the garb in the ancient Near East. It held a lot of things, money. It held the sword, but it was also highly symbolic. His belt would have been embroidered, and in that embroidery would have been symbols of bravery, would have been commendations, would have been things that symbolized who he was. So uh, often in the military, there's many ways to indicate the different things and commendations that you've won, and those can be placed in different positions on your uniform. For the time, there were still accommodations. Men have been celebrating victory in battle since the beginning, and they would pick different ways. And so there were things sewn onto the belt that would symbolize what Jonathan had done. So by giving it to David, he's saying, you are going to have great victories, right? Like, here are my accommodations. I'm giving you my victories. He's pumping his friend up right? That's what Jonathan's do. He's like, listen, dude, David or Goliath wasn't the first guy that you're going to cut his head off with his own sword. You're going to be just crushing everybody, right? Like I'm for you. He was an encourager. How many of you love encouragers? It was, he is such a power. Let, let me give you an example. First Samuel 23. Someone jump there in their Bible if you're quick. If not, the words will be on the screen. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. David at the time is so discouraged, and he's exhausted. He's been pursued. He wants to give up. It says, he went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. Awesome. And then he said to him, do not fear, 
For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king of Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And says, and the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. That's a David, right? David is, or that's a Jonathan. David is being pursued by Saul. Jonathan says, listen, let me remind you of what God has spoken over your life. Let me remind you of the promises in your life. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of what is possible. There's no jealousy here. There's no ego. Remember, when he reminds him of what God's going to do, that means Jonathan is going to lose his place that the world says he should have. But Jonathan is an encourager, and he says, listen, David, I know what God has told you to do. I know what he spoken over you and so I'm going to come alongside you and when you feel like you cannot pick yourself up, when you feel like you cannot see the victory, I'm going to root for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to empower you. Why? Because Jonathan was a great friend. He's not, he's not going to wallow with him. He's going to pull him towards God's righteousness and purpose. Say, come on, brother, let me strengthen your hand. God has a great purpose. We all need to be Jonathans who in the time when people are weary and exhausted and worn out, we lift their hands and say, no, brother, you've got it. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. I was chasing, tracing back my, my, my friendships with people even here at Banner, and I would say that those are the most profound moments that refined us as friends were the moment where I was able to come alongside, and not me being great, this is just an example, and say to them, listen, God still has a purpose for you. God still has a plan for you, and I know you can't see it, but I'll be here, and I'll sit here with you, and pray with you, and believe with you, and we're going to get up together, and we're going to go forward in the purpose of God, and then what happened? Those same people, when I was struggling, came alongside me and said, listen, brother, God has a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. I'm here to lift you up because I'm here to encourage you and to empower you. But not just empower you to anything, empower and encourage you towards righteousness. How many know that word is important? Where you encourage someone towards matters as a friend. Some of you got some friends who are not encouraging you towards righteousness. You need to end this service. You need to make a phone call. The text won't do it justice. You need to make the phone call and say, listen, man, we got to see other friends. <laughs> you know, the Messianic prophecy, Jesus has a belt. Isaiah 11 tells us righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And the armor of God says it's truth, the belt of truth, the belt of the truth of God is righteousness, right? Jesus has this belt of righteousness. See, greater friends don't, great friends don't just encourage people towards aimlessness or towards flesh. They encourage and empower people towards the righteousness of Christ. We live in an era where many people are looking for friends or let's say people, who will encourage them to engage in the desires of the flesh that are counter to the heart of God. And we lean into those people. And anybody, any friend who would tell us otherwise, it's judgmental. And I want to encourage you that your friend might not be judgmental. They might just have good judgment. And there's a difference between your friends using good judgment and your friends being judgmental. Here's the difference. Your friend who's telling you, hey, I'm, I'm a little concerned that what you're doing is not leading you toward the righteousness of God. And I, 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 I don't want to put you down, but I want to say, listen, man, we got to make a change. It's different than the friend who says, uh, you are worthless and 
you have done this and you have stained it and God has turned his back from you and doesn't want to be around you, that's, that's judgmental. You're going to hell. Like, oh, okay, well, you don't judge, right? But if you say, listen, this road of sin, that leads towards hell. That's just using good judgment. But great friends encourage one another towards righteousness. They say, listen, God's got a great purpose. Don't you love those people? Some of you right now, you can think of that person. You're like, oh, I can think of that person who's a great encourager. Let me ask you a question. Think of the people in your life who are great encouragers. Are you on the list of people who are great encouragers? Like, when people come around me, they say, wow, that person is encouraging. They always root me on towards Christ. When I'm around them, I feel like anything's possible in God. If you want to be like Jonathan, be the kind of person that when someone is around you, they feel like being nearer to God is possible. They feel like the promises of God are possible. This is why Jonathan is such a good friend. He goes out of his way to go to David and say anything is possible through God. This is why I love, he's not here today, so it makes it weird. But this is why I love having Pastor Barry on staff. Because Pastor Barry is a great encourager. This is a hard season, moving us cities and moving us into a building. So much is possible. We're believing for the breakthrough of God. But I feel like God so clearly brought, brought Pastors Barry and Candy to us to say, you can do it. We believe in the purpose to come alongside and support and build that up. And can I just say, man, that inspires me to want to be more like that too. If you've been encouraged by somebody, be an encourager to somebody else. Man, you guys can come up. This is why Jonathan is such a great friend. Because he's loyal, he's sacrificial, he's encouraging, and he's empowering. This is the kind of person we all want to be around, right? We all want to have this kind of friend. But unfortunately, let's just be honest, there's not a lot of people out there like that. But can I encourage you? There's a lot of people like that here at Banner. And I think some of you are even that person, but you've not tapped into that part of yourself yet because you felt insecure. But I want to encourage you, or maybe you've tried to step out into that and it's been difficult. I want to encourage you that today is the best time to step into that place and say, I want to be like Jonathan. I want to be like Christ and to love others well. I think being a Jonathan is a blessing. It's a great thing to get to the end of life and have people look back at your life and say his legacy or her legacy was that they loved like Christ. They were a great friend. I've done a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of uh, gatherings of family. And the best thing is to say, man, they love like Christ. Let me give you four quick things, four Ps. You ready? How do we do this today? One, personal. Talk to people. When you're at a setting like this, don't run out the door. Don't stare at your phone. Your phone is not a great friend. It cannot save you, right? It just makes people think you don't like them. That's all it means. I was at a, a gathering one time and uh, a lot of people had their phone out and I made a little mental note. I said, all of these people will come tell me in the next three months that they don't have any friends at Banner. And wouldn't you know, I was like, man, I can't imagine why. Because in social situations, you're not personable. And I know it can be scary. That's why small groups are great. Groups of six people. Small groups are still open. You can still join one. But being personal is key. That we have that time to begin to build relationship and say, listen, I'm here for you. But it also takes not only being personal, but being persistent. It takes work. It takes more than one try. We're not in 
junior high anymore. You don't just get eight hours all the time. It used to be the workplace would do it because you'd get eight hours of time. Now even that's changed. So there's really no place of uninterrupted continuous time every week. So it takes even more work in modern culture. And I wanna tell you, it's difficult, but if you're persistent, it is possible. And sometimes what happens is you're persistent and you find the easy. You find someone that's just easy to be friends with, but it took some persistence to get to that place. The third thing is patient. Personal, persistent, and patient. It takes time. People have different rhythms of life. That's why it's so good when people attend church regularly, when they go to small groups regularly, because they're committing to, in some way, getting on the same beat, to be in the same rhythm gives you a greater likelihood of getting to know someone's life. But you have to be patient. It takes time. It might not happen in a day. And it might not happen with that person in a day. Or some person three days from now, it might happen. You don't know. But we have to be patient. If we become embittered in the patience, we will never develop strong friendships because people don't want to be friends with bitter people. Personal, persistent, patient. Here's my final one. Presence focused. Listen, that's a Holy Spirit work to say, God, would you make me like Jonathan? Would you make me like you above all? Would you make me love, would you help me to love like you, Jesus? Would you help me to love like you, Jesus? To see others like you. We live in a culture, it's so down on people, right? Because like any second, someone's waiting to pull their phone out to embarrass you, right? I guarantee you, you all love me, but if I did something embarrassing, someone would record it, right? But why? Because in our culture, there's this longing uh, to, to move up somehow emotionally, socially, to put others down. But Christ didn't do that. What did Christ do? He knelt down to show his love for others. That's what we do, church. But can I tell you, that takes a work of the Holy Spirit because that's not how our culture is centered. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit to say, would you open my eyes and my heart to the people around me that I would begin to love them like you love them. I wouldn't love them just because we have shared interests. I wouldn't love them just because they follow the same commentators that I follow. I wouldn't love them just because they agree with me all the time and tell me what I want to hear. I wouldn't love them just because we're in the same life season. All these things are, you know, can be catalysts, but I would love them because you love them. And I would love them not as the world tells me to love them. And I wouldn't love them how I feel like loving them. Because sometimes you don't feel like loving, right? Come on, be honest. Right? You feel like just shutting the blinds and not talking to anybody. Right? You have a hard week. That happens, right? But I would love them like you love them, Jesus. And I would love them well. And at the end of my life, I would stand upon a legacy that says, I was like Jesus. I was like Jonathan. And I just loved well. I was loyal. I was loyal to my friends. I was encouraging. I was sacrificial. Imagine a church full of people who long to be Jonathan's. Be amazing, huh? Let's try this. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, we just pray even right now. Help us to be like Jonathan today, to love others well, to love people as we love ourselves, to not put ourselves higher than anyone else, Lord, but to serve others well. If you're here with me in agreement, just even put yourself in a posture prayer. Maybe lift your hands. God, help us to love others well. Holy Spirit, to love others well today, to be loyal, to be sacrificial, to be encouraging. Holy Spirit, lead me, lead me, lead me, lead me. Lead me, Lord.
Holy Spirit, lead me. I want to do something just a little different today to close. It's a little different. And so if you don't want to participate in this, you can just say, no, thank you to the person next to you. But I believe the way that we participate in the establishment and the development of friendship is in times of presence that we, we go there together and in prayer. So I'd love, we're going to just pray together. And here's what I mean. If you're near somebody, pray with them. If you're not near somebody, would you go near somebody? If you see somebody sitting by themselves, would you go to them? And we're just, just say, is there anything I can pray with you for? And if you're not near somebody and you don't want to pray with them, just say, no, thank you. That's totally okay. Right? Right? Don't make it weird, somebody. Don't force somebody to pray with you doesn't want to pray with you today right but we're just I'm going to release you right now to just begin to, to group up together if you're near somebody or be near somebody just say what can I pray with you for and we're just going to begin right there to say what do you believe in God for what do you need prayer for and rather than coming forward we're just going to pray together so prayer team if you're on prayer team if you see anybody who needs prayer would you just go to them right now the band's going to lead us in in uh, playing through this song and so I just release you let's end can we do that by praying together Lord I just pray right now and I release this this body of faith to you to begin to intercede with one another in so doing know each other better and know you more so we release that in this space Holy Spirit would you begin to minister even right now in the name of Jesus I just release you would you just gather near somebody I see we're already kind of grouped up just kind of come together and just say what well, can I pray and just pray right there you don't got to go through a list but just take a moment if you are not comfortable with that just say no thank you and just rest in this space this is a good space to, to pray and believe thank you for listening to the Banner Church podcast we hope this message was impactful for you check the episode notes to visit our website follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast we'll see you again next week